and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Indeed. Well, hello again. A lot has happened in this last week since we last recorded, right? Bro, it's been wild. It's been a crazy week. Well, yeah, for the listener out there, um, my <laughs> wife and I moved. I think we mentioned that on a, on a previous episode. But we, I guess all of last week, we were packing. We were making final preparations. We were taking over small car loads as we could. And then Friday, I had a half day at work. So once a month, actually, um, we get a half day Friday. One of us does. So like we, we're on a rotation. And this week happened to be my half day Friday. Uh, so I scheduled a doctor's appointment to be in the afternoon because I'm trying to get an insulin pump. Basically, instead of having to give myself insulin injections, uh, the goal is to eventually get me on a pump, which would kind of be feeding me insulin at a consistent drip throughout the day. And then I would um, use this little device that would give it to me at mealtimes, much like my injections with the pens that I've been using. So anyway, that was a pretty big um, appointment. And then after the appointment... My wife and I uh, drove from basically Madison to Milwaukee to go to the closest Ikea because we wanted to get a couple <laughs> of things to furnish our new apartment that we're lacking. Um, so we spent a sizable paycheck at <laughs> at Ikea. And then Friday morning, or sorry, Saturday morning, the next morning, uh, we got up really early to get to the old house at 7.30 to finish last minute packing, to load up our car, and then from basically 8.30 until 12.30, we are moving out and then into our new place. And then, you know, unpacking and all that that contains. Sunday, we also unpacked and organized. Um, I helped my father-in-law cut down a bunch of trees and carry off the brush to the brush pile. And then I came Christic home. Christic manhood. Oh, right. Christic manhood. Being a man. Chopping down trees. Um, <laughs> but then I get home. And I, I told Hannah before we went back to my in-laws for dinner that we would unpack books. And I'm like unpacking all of our books. And I'm like, man, I really wish we had another bookshelf because I cannot stand <laughs> having so many books on the floor. And she was like, well, let's go to St. Vinny's, which I guess is a, a local um, thrift store. So we, we go to the thrift store and literally as soon as we walk in, right where they have their loading dock, they're like, there, there's, a, there's a bookshelf. And I'm like, ooh, that looks like a really nice bookshelf. I walk up to it. There's not even a price tag on it yet. They, like, just put it on the floor. Um, and so I was like, how much is this? The lady comes over, and she's like, oh, it's $15. And I was like, that's a really good deal. Dang. And I had a $5 off coupon because I have a rewards card there. So this bookshelf, this it's a big bookshelf. If you follow me on Instagram, you can see it there. I'll post it. But it was $10. So, like, all Man. of my books, except for, like, three or four, fit on it. Um, Hannah's books go on the old bookshelf because she has fewer books, and she agreed to, to be so kind to give me the new, bigger one. <laughs> um, so, anyway, all that to say, it's been a crazy week since we last recorded. Um, we're recording this now, you know, four or five hours before it drops, which we've been doing a lot recently because of school and work and busyness, but yeah. it all works out, man. It does. It does. Yeah, I need I need more. We need not just me. We need more bookshelves. Yep. Probably two more. Well, 
one big one or two more small ones. We have like a smallish, maybe medium sized one. It's super nice. Like it looks really good. It's like modern. It's sleek. It fits really well in the spot where it is. Um, but it's just not big enough. So, um, which, you know, we knew getting it like we'd, we'd have a, a few bookshelves or whatever, but we just haven't gotten around to uh, making the, the time and the budget space to to get another well, one. Well, that's but, the thing, dude. They're so expensive, especially if you don't want yeah. one that's going to be like flimsy and just kind of like made a particle board. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't really hit really any like thrift. Well, I think one time we found a thrift store local and we kind of perused through but there wasn't really anything hmm. uh, like that we were interested in but we haven't done a lot of like thrifting since moving here well we don't typically do a ton but we haven't even really looked at, at very many here which would probably be a good good next step my wife and at I least bookshelf wise we we thrift <laughs> like we go to st vinnie's at least once a week because i like to look through their books every thursday is when they put out the new books Mm. um i mean you get books super cheap they're like a dollar do you ever find anything like good yeah like like, like all the when time. i say good i mean like that you're interested like yeah okay, okay. the theology section i mean it's it, it's definitely lacking you know you find your joel osteens your joyce meyer your um bart airman and like stuff like that it's also a very catholic town so there's a lot of like catholic books um which i've been trying to like keep my eye out for good ones um but i've had like tim keller i've had um uh, I got some Bart. There was a, a Bart biography. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, let's see. I've, um, oh, man. Th- there was that uh, You Charismatic Worship or something, that, that book that book that I sent you the picture of. It was like an advanced uh-huh. reader's copy. That was from there. Oh, so, like, every right, once right. in a while, you find some, like, really cool hidden gems. Nice. Um, but I actually, most recently, we found this old set of 007 books. So, like, in the 50s or 60s or something, they printed these little tiny trade paperbacks. Um, mm-hmm. But they're just pretty cool. Like, it's kind of wow. really vintage. Cool. But anyway. <laughs> nice. Um, so, it's it's Tuesday. Uh, we're, on the, we're on the, I guess, the outside of our heretics and heresy month, which we would want to say thank you for the overwhelming support and appreciation this, this month beat our highest month which was the previous month by like 150 downloads um we didn't have a single day with less than 10 which i know doesn't sound all that crazy um but most months like on a you know on a random wednesday or a random sunday like days that we don't release episodes like sometimes we get as low as eight um you know listens because there isn't anything new but like this month we had consistently like 20 downloads a day uh, on days that episodes came out, we'd get like 60 a day or more, um, which is just really encouraging and cool. So want to say yeah, thank you. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. So what are we and doing know, today, Lucas? Tell us Tell us yeah. about today's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a combination of crazy weeks, lots of homework, moving, papers, tiredness, and also shifting gears a little bit, you know, kind of in this transition phase as we figure out sort of what we want to do next in terms of a new month of theme, you know, theme focus or new series. But we wanted to take, we, I feel like, I feel like we've talked about doing this before and, and just didn't really, you know, 
have necessarily the sort of, I guess, community, if you will, um, to, to make it work. But we're doing, as I'm sure you've seen uh, in the title, <laughs> we're doing a, a Q&A. We put up a few um, Ask Us Anything posts on social media, and we wanted to just kind of field questions that literally have to do with anything and everything, um, not necessarily focused on any one topic or even theology. So um, kind of just a lighthearted sort of break episode, I feel like, um, is a good way to kind of debrief maybe. Not debrief, yeah. but like unwind from um, Heresy Month and, and also to just kind of, it, it just worked with our schedules better, you know, to be frank. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, maybe, you, maybe you want like a break from the serious tone that we maybe sometimes have with our theological episodes, and this might be one with some laughs and some... I don't know, just some fun conversations. Yeah. So we have a variety of, of uh, questions from uh, Instagram and Twitter, and we're going to just kind of go through them and see if, you know, how, how many we hit and uh, what, what interesting uh, things we learn <laughs> as we go through. Um, do we have everyone's name next to the questions? No, but I know who asked most of them. Um, okay. At least I know the ones that I wrote in. Okay. Okay. Um, sweet. So you wanna you wanna kick us off with the first one? Yeah. Um, so the first question: What is the best thing about fall? And I I just want to preface this because my answer for this I'm gonna I think we're gonna for some of these questions we're gonna leave them up for interpretation like. I might know what this person was trying to ask, uh, but at the same time, I'm going to leave it up to interpretation. So what is the best thing about the fall? I would say it's a toss-up between just cooler weather in general. Yeah. Um, and honestly, pumpkin spice lattes, I know. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. We got a white girl from lie. Tennessee over here. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. you can't get away from them. I don't know what it is. Uh, they're See, just if delicious. I liked coffee, I feel like I would like pumpkin spice stuff. But I just I'm, I I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this is so Lucas. This question is the one um, that I said I had a really interesting answer that I think you're gonna like. Okay. Um, so this. I, I, we should also preface we didn't contemplate any of our answers to these questions that we compiled um it just so happens that today i had this thought um i was i was thinking about fall i was thinking about autumn because I, I so we were at the new apartment i had a different drive into work and so the, the drive that i did it was more through the country part of our town as opposed to just driving through main street and i was just sort of like you know, it's kind of colder. It was a little bit foggy. Um, the trees still had some leaves. Um, but I was thinking about leaves and I was thinking about like descent. Like, so as leaves fall, as they descend to the ground, um, uh, and <laughs> this is going to be like a little corny maybe. Um, but I was thinking <laughs> about descent and I was thinking about like a pile of leaves and how like how there's something just like fun and exciting about kids who just want to run and jump into a big leaf pile. And maybe you're somebody who feels the same way. And so then I was, I was like taking this, like, again, this is my mind at like seven 30 this morning. 
I was taking this like theologically. So again, with descent, Christ descending to the dead. And I was thinking about like these kids jumping in these leave piles, like joining Christ in his descent. Like we are buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And so I was just like, from a theological perspective, I was thinking about um, the season. I, sometimes I think about this, like even the seasons, um, like sacramentally in a way, how they, how even the changing of the season, the changing of the seasons can reveal um, something about, you know, death and new life and rebirth and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but specifically thinking about autumn and fall as being a, a descent, a, a, a going from life into death and ourselves going into that. And again, eventually in the spring, you know, coming to, to newness of life, so to speak, as, as plants begin to grow, as trees begin to sprout leaves. Um, so that's the best thing about fall. Um, at, to, to echo what you said, it gets cold. Um, I, I like I like cooler weather, um, but the leaves and the the dying of the things around us uh, being <laughs> a reminder of of Christ's uh, death and his descent to the dead. Um, and then this is also a question that I had a, a, an ulterior answer for because I, I, when I first read it, I thought of the season. But then, what is the best thing about the fall? in like Genesis two and three, like what is the best thing about the fall of man? Which I think is a really interesting question because normally you'd think like there is no good thing about the fall because it brought sin into the world. Um, so I want to ask you that question, Lucas, what is the best thing about the fall theologically? Like man's fall. <sighs> I'm going to say there is no good thing about it whatsoever in any way and the best thing that we see in genesis 3 and following is god's mercy and love so obviously god's mercy and love is being shown you know he makes uh coverings of of animal skins and he he sends them out so they aren't stuck in eternal life or eternal death he, he provides for them you know he, he does all these loving things in response to the fall but obviously like the fall didn't need to happen for God to be loving and merciful. Right. So I, I would say that there is, there is no, I, I would want to stand on that and say there is nothing good that came out of the fall in the sense of that the fall produced. But as we see countless times throughout scripture in our own lives and history, like God works good. Maybe, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. like God works all things together for good. Even the things like, you know, sin and death entering into the world for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I That's don't know. A good I feel like, I feel like that way I get to still have my, like the fall is just bad, which feels like it's something important to hold on to. So that's kind of what I'll say. I yep. think, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I mean, the, the only way that I was thinking about it is that, I mean, in God's sovereignty, knowing the fall of man in eternity past Christ, knowing his people, um, the only good part about it, quote unquote, like if we can even say this, and again, if you want to burn me at the stake after that's fine. Um, but the only good thing about it is that like God's will is never like confounded. It's like never like man's intervention, never 
trumps God's will. It never uh, supersedes. It never causes any change to who God is or what his plans are. And so, like, yeah, even as, as horrendous and as awful and as painful and as tragic as the fall was, not only for Adam and Eve, but for their progeny, um, the will of God still remains and continues today. And I think there's some hope in that, knowing that despite our darkest hours, Christ is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. And like you said, he's merciful. So there's, there's grace there. So I don't know. I thought that was an interesting like take on an interpretation on how to read that question. So yeah, quite, quite a different direction, <laughs> I would say. Um, do we, did we mention who, who asked that one? Do you yeah, have that a, was Manny. Nice. Shout out Manny. You're the man. Manny. <laughs> um, okay. I'll bounce around a little bit here. Yeah, um, please do. This, I, I don't know who asked this. You, which, you added pretty much, uh, this one here. You added, okay. you added all of these to the doc. So I'm kind of, uh, at a bit of a disadvantage here, but I so do want to give So this is my friend Brandon. This is my friend Brandon. I went to high school with Brandon. Okay, Brandon. So Brandon asks, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Which I think is a really great question, especially for a podcast where we discuss and investigate theology. I think this is the important things that we need to be asking. So what do you think? Did they? Um, I think they did. And let me give my explanation the way that I sometimes explained creation. So I know there's a vast array of creation, theology, evolution, you know, theistic evolution, young earth, all of that. And so one of the ways that I've explained how the earth could appear to be so old, yet to actually be, let's just say it's 8,000 years old. I don't, I don't know exactly how old the earth is, but if we're going to go for a young earth, um, the scope of time as we can think about time as we conceive of time so let's just say it's eight thousand years but when we look at the earth geologically when we look at i don't know how all scientists do it but if they if they say that the earth is millions or billions of years old i, I do not think it is actually been around that length of time but just like adam and eve i don't think adam and eve were born as infants or like well i should say created as infants so they didn't have umbilical cords they weren't you know, they didn't need to be weaned and trained how to walk. I think Adam and Eve were created in such a way that they appeared to, let's just say, be 30. They might have appeared to be a man and a woman. Did they actually, had they existed for what we would call 30 years of time? Probably not if they were created instantaneously. So in order for life to thrive in an instant of creation, in, in, in the way that things were done in the beginning... I think things were created with an appearance of age. And so I think that's why we can look at the earth. Like in order for the earth to work and function properly, scientifically, it had to be created again with this appearance of age. And just in the same way, in order for Adam and Eve to function and live properly in their created state, they too had to be created in such a way that they appeared to be as old as, let's just say a 30 year old. So my answer is yes. I think Adam and Eve had belly buttons. They didn't come from the same root that you and I have belly buttons from, you know, the umbilical cord of our mothers and whatever, but they certainly did, at least in my estimation. So I'm curious what you think. Yes, I, I agree with you that they had belly buttons. I completely disagree 
with that explanation of creation. Which, and that's that's fine. I mean, that, yeah, I didn't course. say that's necessarily even what I hold. That's just like one way I've explained when I was a youth pastor. Sure. That's definitely an explanation. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. But, well, I mean, I understand it. I understand the logic. But I just mean like it's not compelling. So I don't think that that's what's going on with them having belly buttons. I think it's more just that like the normal the normative human experience is to be born of a of from a mother physically. I I don't think yeah. There has never been a human who was not born from a mother since Adam and Eve. So and that includes God. So um <laughs> true. I that's the normative experience, so I think that there's no reason to think that since God was making humans, that he would have made them look like normal humans. Yeah. Which just means, like, it seems kind of arbitrary. Like, it doesn't, it wouldn't serve any function either way for them to have it or not have it. But just from the perspective of, like, I'm making a human, I bet, I bet they had them. That's, well, I mean, it doesn't yeah. serve you a function anymore. Like, we still have them. You know what I mean? Like, Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, like, it's not like it would be detrimental, whatever, whichever way it went to them, since they wouldn't have it the, for the natural reason, like the normal reason, like you said, that you or I have it. It's just kind of, like, arbitrary. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. It just it, it fills it? in the chest <laughs> cavity. It just looked weird if it was just flat. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. My know. reason is more like I don't think God would make them look weird just because they were first. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, keeping keeping in step, this is another one Brandon asked. I think we'll just kind of jump to this one. Uh Brandon asked, What is your favorite Bible verse? So if you are a mm. longtime listener to the Doxology podcast, we had an episode where we talked about our five favorite chapters of the mm-hmm. Bible. Um, that was when you and I were together uh, in, in, in Massachusetts, Simpler if you times. recall, right? Um, so let's just make it really easy. And what's your favorite verse in the whole Bible? Can you do it? I don't know, truthfully, <laughs> if I can't, which is such a cop-out to say, what's your favorite verse? Here's a bunch of verses I like. but yeah, it's really hard. I, I don't know if I can. It, it probably depends on my you know, what's going on in my life or the mood I'm in or, you know, what's the last book of the Bible I read, you know, I I would say if I like just off the top of my head and I'm going to forget some of the references, but John 316 is pretty much, you know, the gospel. Um, Matthew 630 something, I think, Uh, you know, don't be anxious. 633. Uh, and especially the part where he says, um, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own is a very poetic kind of reminder. Do you believe that right it, now in this moment? Thinking about what tomorrow is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know it is true. I, I right. don't know if I believe it always, but I do mm. know it. Um, and then also Galatians 3, 28, 29. That's probably wrong. Um, there's no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male or female. You're all one mm. in, in Christ. Um, and then also there's Philippians. I think it's Philippians 2, like 2 through 7, the 
the the Christ hymn, the the kenosis where Christ emptied himself, right. taking on the servant uh, form of a servant. Um, those are probably the ones that would most jump jump out at me to 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 be like high on my list of. I guess that last one's not a verse, but you know it, it all it's all connected. You yeah. can't really have just one part of it. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's, this is a really hard one for me, too, because, like you said, I, I'm reminded we always come back to Colossians 1. I mean, I know it's not yeah. a single verse, but that's such a beautiful passage, very Christological. Um, when I think about verses that are important to me, though, uh, a number of them have become tattoos, so they must be pretty important. So I have Romans 13, 14, which says, um, Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, uh, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, or it, maybe I turned that around, but um, yeah, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. Look up mm-hmm. the citation. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it was St. <laughs> Augustine when he opened up randomly to the scriptures. That's where he fell, um, which we learned also in our Augustine episode, which I didn't know until then. So it's kind of cool to have that tie because mm. I'm a big Augustine right. fan. Uh, right. an- another one is Colossians 3.12. Um, which is um, uh, beloved as as Christ's chosen people, um, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And when I was becoming a true believer, I think uh, that was a passage that like I had to really wrestle with because it was four things that in my life I've struggled with: um, to be kind, to be patient, to be meek and gentle, um, to be. Uh, what was the last one? Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So yeah, those are just four things that I, I often struggled with. And so as a Christian to, to learn to put those things to, to death and to, to be more like Christ. Um, let's see. Like, I don't know. It's, I keep thinking of just like sections, not just single verses. Um, but like even Jesus wept, which sounds like a cheesy answer. Um, but the humanness, the humanity of, of Christ's emotions, the emotional life of our of our Lord, the, the way that he wasn't just, you know, we talked about some of this in Christological heresies, like Christ wasn't just some spirit appearing to take on a human body. Uh, but as a truly human man, he felt truly human emotions, something that he I think speaks to his ability to empathize and to sympathize and to understand our, our pain and our weakness. Um, I don't know. There, I feel like there's so many in John. I'm thinking of like, you know, in the beginning was the word um, or in, um, yeah, how I don't know. I'm like conflating Genesis and John, but um, in the beginning was the well, word. John the word conflated with God. them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are so, there's just so many that jump out. I should probably just stop now. Yeah, no, that's a really good question because it's so impossible to answer. Yep. And I think it, it just really makes us go back to think about the scriptures that, that have stood out to us or that we've memorized or that have influenced us. And it's probably it's probably pretty healthy to think about that question like pretty regularly just to, to reflect on it. I remember the Romans thirteen fourteen. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I had it backwards. That's, that's the citation. Amen. Um, I'm I trying to pick you, one that... I kind of want you to do the one that was under the one we just did on the list. Okay. 
Um, this one I am pretty confident comes from Allison. Yep. And this is definitely the... Like, I don't know why you're asking us this. I feel like this should be in, like, a presidential debate. Um, this is the really important stuff. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Dude, I've had some heated debates on this one. It's the same as, like, is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? Like, it's in that same category. It's just, like, these silly, like, food things. So my definitive answer is yes. It's a sandwich because it's a it's a meat, and it's between mm-hmm. two pieces of bread. It's sandwiched between two pieces of bread. <laughs> okay, is that? Do you have anything else you want to add to that? That is my very simple answer. There's no easier okay. way to describe it. Um, you're wrong. There's only there's there's not two pieces of bread, unless your hot dog bun is broken. So it is like nestled between you know bread sections (laughs) 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 i think so no i it's not a sandwich at all i think we need a fellowship over this one (laughs) i think that the the like galaxy brain nuclear take um that i think i've seen this somewhere when this debate has been raging but um which i think is actually probably closer to what i believe if we're going to be entertaining the idea that it's like a sandwich, I would say it, really it's a taco because the bread is not two pieces of bread. You don't eat it like in the same fashion because it's open at the top and it's like, it's not square. You know, it's, it's like, well, I mean, I guess it depends on where you buy it how long it is but it's like wrecked you know it's it's stretched out instead of like when you used to fold paper in like fourth grade you had like hot dog style to fold it the long way or hamburger style to fold it you know you know what i mean like it's a different shape it's a different orientation you put stuff on it and it kind of builds up it doesn't it doesn't get enclosed the more i say this the more i'm convincing myself that it's actually a taco so a hot dog is a taco. It's an American taco or something. An American or taco. Italian. I don't know where hot dogs originated, but. A German taco, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. It's a Chicago dog. It's a Chicago, a Chicago taco. taco. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go, Allison. That's the definitive answer, I guess. It is a taco. Hmm. Um, another, another good question. That is a great question. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you this one. I want to ask you this one. No, I want to actually, I want to ask you this one. Um, What is, this one you'll have to help me out too. I I don't have in front of me who asked this, but what is the best Halloween movie that does not involve Christmas? I don't remember who asked that one. Um, Which makes this a much harder question. (laughs) It does, because The Nightmare Before Christmas is the simple answer. Right. The correct answer. The correct answer. So, oh, the best Halloween movie that doesn't involve Christmas. As a kid, it would have been easy. I would have said The Great Pumpkin, like the Charlie Brown special. I used to love. Oh. mm -hmm. I used to love that one. Um, Can we consider Monster House a Halloween movie? Because I really like Monster House. Does that take place 
like in the movie is it halloween i don't know i want to say it is but I, it's going been so long since i've seen it but i remember like as a kid um my friend and i my friend sam who if you're listening sam shout out um but him and i i think we went to that like three times in theaters because it was Dang. like we liked it that much wow my my mom never let me watch it and then i watched it like two years ago maybe like i think we were babysitting some kids or something and they wanted to watch it and it was a really weird movie (laughs) (laughs) it is very strange i guess maybe this comes to the question of what defines a halloween movie because my wife and i were talking about um if edward scissorhands is a halloween movie or not um because i'm into funkos i don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. if any of our listeners are into um funko pops but um we have a Edward Scissorhands where he's like holding the cutouts of the little snowmen um, or whatever. But like she thinks that that's a Halloween movie. And I never really thought about it that way. Like are, are like are yeah. all Tim Burton movies just like by default Halloween except Batman maybe? <laughs> well, I mean, because you, you have like horror movies as a genre that are like obviously scary and spooky and maybe they have to do with ghosts or whatever but it's not necessarily directly halloween so i would say if we're we're, i'd probably want to define a halloween movie pretty more narrowly and i would probably say um hocus pocus it would be my favorite also when i watched a ton as a kid it was always on every year on tv and um we always watched that a lot if if we're more thinking like movies that are maybe kind of scary or spooky that are like like good to watch on Halloween but aren't necessarily Halloween movies, then I would probably have to say like Coraline would that's be up there because that's one of my favorite movies just in general. Yeah. Um, highly recommended. Like there's a Goosebumps. I know that's not necessarily a movie movie as you might think of it, but there was like a Goosebumps I don't know if it's a TV episode, but it was a really scary one as a kid. I'm trying to remember what it was. Like, Welcome to Dead House. I don't I think like. I ever saw... Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw any, any like, Goosebumps. Like, just, Goosebumps are just books to me. Yeah. Is hmm. what I'm trying to say. Interesting. Um, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. But clearly, the best Halloween movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Which, this is actually... I think I th- I th- no I know this is actually a question that Allison on Twitter posed not for not to us but just just in her own tweets. She might have been is the one the, that did this. I think she is I, the I, Nightmare Before Christmas. Us. Okay, is the Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? Ooh. Or I think the way she phrased it was, do you, is it is it appropriate to watch the Nightmare Before Christmas on Halloween or on Christmas? I think you could do it both. And I, th- I think I think you can totally do it both. I think it's a Halloween movie that you watch on Christmas. Interesting. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. I think it's a Christmas movie that you watch on Halloween. I haven't watched it yet this year. Um, I'm a little late to the party, but I think that it it's more of a Christmas movie. <laughs> do you hear this car outside? Now it's no. me who has the loud engines roaring. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can actually, I can hear a little, I'm not sure if it's getting picked up, but I think in, in the headphones I can hear That's it. That's funny. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it's a Christmas movie that you'd watch 
like tech like uh-huh. i feel like it's usually the first christmas movie i watch because i watch it in like october hmm. but it makes me think of christmas and get excited for christmas even though it's you know halloweeny i think this is a it, it, it crosses denominational lines and it can be both <laughs> <laughs> it's it's halloween and christmas it's appropriate to watch on both because it has spooky themes but it's set in christmas time i mean he's handing out presents for a good chunk of the movie that's what it's kind of about also i cannot true i cannot think about that movie and also not think about blink 182 like that song um miss you i don't know if you're a fan of blink 182 um, but in miss you they have a line where they say you know we'll live like jack and sally if we want um and then he's a little bit later he says we'll have halloween on christmas and in the night we'll wish this never ends we'll wish this never ends like every time i watch that movie that line of we'll live like jack and sally if you want comes into my mind so anyway that's fun fact for you nice um let's see let me pick one out here because i was gonna say i can't remember who asked who asked the last one yeah um can you compare the current political climate with something humorous but helpful this was i want to say manny as well but not positive Hmm. Um, can you compare the current political climate with something humorous but helpful? This is um, again, we didn't prepare these, so so bear with us for a yeah. moment as we contemplate. I think I don't know. It's kind of like humorous, humorous, humorous. But yes, helpful. I I don't Not think so. So much. Okay. Um. Or at least I'm not not as convinced that I can think of something helpful. Humorous, um, shout out to Richie. I saw he this is where I, he's where I got this from, Richie Rust music. Um, the Year Without a Santa Claus, that old like claymation movie. Yeah. Um, the Snow Miser and the Heat Miser fighting each other would be trump would be i guess the heat miser because he's orange and <laughs> biden is kind of lanky like <laughs> and and the snow miser is kind of skinny so um i don't know if their personalities necessarily correlate or their policies <laughs> um and i don't know if it's helpful because at the end of the day like I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be helpful. Like Mother Nature, like brings them together because they're brothers, and so maybe we, you know, it could be a reminder that we're all people, <laughs> maybe <laughs> who are yeah. living in the same country and just want to survive and thrive. But I don't know if that's really helpful. But that's the first thing I think of. Cause... That's that's a good one. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is like the Three Stooges, like where it's just like incessant <laughs> self-inflicted pain i mean they're they're i just picture all the you know just ridiculous things that they're doing and everyone just ends up getting hurt like nobody nobody actually wins (laughs) um nobody wins it's true yeah so like maybe the helpful thing is we put far too much stock into politics and even though politics are important they affect our lives on a day-to-day basis it affects our neighbors our friends our loved ones um when we really boil it down, it seems like politics are only ever divisive and 
tear down as opposed to build up. And especially as Christians, we ought to be people who do not intentionally or unintentionally tear down, um, but we live lives in which we build up, in which we love, we edify, we encourage, uh, support, love. Um, so yeah, don't be like the three stooges and inflict pain on yourself and others, but um, be like Buddy the Elf and bring <laughs> Christmas cheer, you know, for all to hear or something. I don't know. <laughs> By singing loud for all. Yeah. Now, right. these last few questions, I'm just like super excited for Christmas. Now. <laughs> for, yes. The incarnation, <laughs> elf, uh, the two great parts of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. So I think on that note, I do want to ask, I'll ask, I'll ask this one, um, also from Manny. Which heresy was your favorite to talk about and why? Mm, okay. Um, that's a tough one. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the Christological heresies because I think it's just like the most interesting to me. I mean, obviously I thought all of them were interesting because that's why we chose them and had discussions about them. Um, but there's something about the Christological heresies because they have just such far reaching implications. Like what we think about Christ and who he is and his person and his divinity, it has a great impact on our theology. Again, if we think that Christ isn't fully God and fully man, we're going to encounter so many problems. Um, so it was just sort of fascinating to, to look at those, to discuss them, to explore how we ought to think about Christ in an orthodox way. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I would also say the Christological heresies. Um, that's been an interest of mine for a few years now. Um, just that those questions and those doctrines, as well as that time in history when those were being worked out by the church and those debates were really in full swing. Um, and then also, as you know, Manny, because um, you're here at Beeson with me, um, that's like where we've kind of been covering, it was like, like right after that episode until like last week, we were like covering that in our patristics course. Um, and so it was, it was cool to kind of dive deep into some texts from the, you know, the, uh, like in the midst of that debate, um, and that controversy and everything. And it's just, it's just like, I agree. It's, it's so important and it's interesting to see, how, like you said, far-reaching um, what we say Christologically is. Um, and it, it's just such an interesting and, um, like, for me, it's it's always edifying to, to learn something new Christologically and to reflect deeper. Um, and I think that that's probably why also I, I just, that was, that was, that's why that was also my favorite heresy that we talked about, um, which I'm kind of surprised we have the same answer, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. We finally agree on something, you tool. Um, yeah, anyway. Something. We've never agreed about anything ever until this moment. <laughs> wow. This has been a revelation, or should I say a revelations? Um, let's see. So which heresy do you find most convincing and at the same time, how do you remind yourself of truth? So this is a two-part question. So, oh, that scared the crap out of me. Something just, <laughs> <laughs> something like fell behind me. Um, 
So yeah, which heresy do you find most convincing? So of the, I don't know if this means of the ones that we covered or just in general, if there's a heresy that you find convincing and how do you remind yourself of truth? This could be a fun one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this could be a lot. Um, I would say I'll, the first one that comes to mind is also kind of one that we covered a little bit. So it kind of works out. I don't have to like, decide how I'm going to, you know, limit this. But, um, I would say that I am generally speaking, most tempted towards, um, mono, monophysitism, Um, we talked about Eudikes in our, um, Christological heresies episode, the idea that, that, that Christ only has one nature, um, the variety I, I wouldn't say is that I'm tempted towards is Eutyches version necessarily, um, but I, I tend to um, agree with those who place a really high stress on the importance of the unity of Christ um, after the incarnation, the unity of the divine and human, um, which I think the the uh, the temptation and the danger with that emphasis, which it's just a correct emphasis. It's it's that's the true that that needs to be emphasized. Um, but if you go too far in that direction, if you go too far in that good direction, then you end up with Christ only ultimately has one nature as opposed to two natures in a union with each other, um, which is a whole. There's lots of you know, varieties, I think. Um, but I would say there, there was a period, um, like junior year of college where I was doing some, some reading. Um, and I legitimately thought that I was gonna come out (laughs) being a monophysite and have to figure out how to be a heretic. (laughs) Um, but praise the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't have to deal with that. And I was, um, I realized my errant thinking and I am thoroughly orthodox in my Christology. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, I was worried about you, son. Yeah. So I'm going to, so what about you? That, so I'm, I'm going to interpret this as any heresy, not just the heresies that we covered. Um, because I think the one that I tend most towards, and I, I don't know if we, if, I don't even know if this is labeled a heresy. So correct me if I'm wrong. But is Pelagianism considered a heresy? Oh yeah. Okay, I thought so. I just like I had a second, like I second guessed myself. So um, I think the reason that I tend most towards Pelagianism, and I don't, I'm not saying that I'm Pelagian or even semi-Pelagian. I'm just saying like the idea that original sin didn't taint human nature, that humans have free will to achieve perfection. I don't necessarily believe those things, um, but the notion that like humans are essentially good, that we have f- freedom to, to pick and to choose the things that we want to do. Um, I think that there are just a lot of very, I don't know, compelling and convincing. I mean, that's, there's a reason that Pelagianism was so popular and continues to be um, because it it's all about us. We like, we're, I mean, if you think about it, like even Christians are guilty of saying like, Oh, he's a really good guy. Like I could never see him doing something so terrible. I mean, I know it's like the most generic sentence that you could probably say, but I think a lot of people function 
on the assumption that most people are generally good people. And maybe that's true, like in a human sinful state that the majority of people are decent people. They they seek to be civil. They seek to be loving. Like maybe, I, I don't necessarily think that that's always true. Um, but like I said, if I'm, if I'm just taking this question at face value, I think that there's a temptation in me sometimes to want to, I don't know, think that my will can overcome, that I can do good works on my own, that I can accomplish things on my own, that I don't need prayer, that I don't need God's word, that I don't need grace. Like these are just some of the effects of indwelling sin, of that, um, that I don't know, that tainted, you know, the, that tainted nature still that wants to be free, that wants to be independent. So um, the way that I overcome such a heresy is to be immersed in scripture, to be immersed in prayer, to be immersed in community, to, um, I don't know, just find myself always surrounded by truth that, that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. No one is good. No, not one. And that's not to necessarily paint a bleak picture, but you know what, unless we understand that the, it is sort of bleak out there without Christ, then I think we kind of step into reality as opposed to distorting and trying to offer false comfort to people. So I don't know, now I'm just rambling. So why don't you ask another question? Um, I'm going to ask this one. I don't know if you'll have much to say about it, but I, we, we are kind of probably, I think getting close to winding down. I want to yeah, make can, sure that I answer it. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joe on Twitter. Um, thoughts on the laws of ecclesiastical polity by Richard Hooker. Um, he asked that, and I think that's a really fun, not necessarily fun, but, uh, I love to talk about amazing <sighs> Anglican theologians. So, Joe, um, Joe, Joe. I think I know who you're talking about. This guy. Oh my gosh. He's a Bills <laughs> fan. You kidding me? So the Bills suck. I'm just, I'm, hold on, sorry. I'm, I'm picturing Joey. The Mets suck. You're like the, the Yankees. <laughs> no, but seriously, the Bills suck. The Bills stole Stefan Diggs from my Minnesota Vikings, so not super happy about that. Anyway, Joe, I have never read this book. I know nothing about Richard Hooker or this book other than what Lucas has briefly told me, so I'm going to default to I don't know and ask Lucas the same question. What are your thoughts on this, I'm guessing, this book, right? by Richard Hooker. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Um, I have read the first volume of the modern English translation of it from the Davenant Institute, which is the preface and then books one through four. I don't remember how long the whole work is, um, but that first volume is, is all that the Davenant Institute has up to now. Um, published in their their modern modernization uh well, it's not just a modernization it's a whole new translation into modern english from the old english of of richard hooker um but i mean it's still english i don't know is that a translation it's it i don't know whatever you get what i'm trying to say though um i read that one um it's really a lot of it was over my head i felt as i was reading it um he, he's He's, he's got just this really intricate mind for philosophy and, and his explanation of law and just 
the different kinds of laws is really fascinating to me because it's so new um, compared to what I have spent time learning and hearing before. Um, and it's also just, like I said, a lot of it's over my head. It's something that I'm definitely going to want to be rereading. And as I, you know, learn more about these terms and concepts that I don't necessarily have a lot of uh, familiarity with, I think going back to it is going to be helpful. I think it's really good. Um, I think that um, there are some things he, some assumptions he he has about things like monarchy and um, sort of the, you know, the the way that reason seems to uphold his day's status quo that I don't necessarily agree with. Some of those implications concern me in some ways, but overall, I mean, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I I think that everyone should probably read it at some point. Well, not every person in the world, but like everyone who's who's studying, you know, the Reformation, studying the English Reformation, studying Anglicanism and Anglican theology, you kind of have to deal with Richard Hooker at some point. Um, and I think it's I think it's really cool. I really like what the Davenant Institute is doing with their Library of Early English Protestantism, which this book was a series in, and just the whole idea of modernizing Hooker for um, you know contemporary audiences. Big fan, really like that. I think it's super cool. Um, and yeah, I, w- I would say that I am fond of the laws, um, even though I don't necessarily, you know, get everything that (laughs) Hooker's trying to do. Um, Fun fact, tomorrow, Tuesday the 3rd, um, at least according to the, um, let me just pull this up. Um, I am going to be getting together with some of the Anglican students at Beeson and we are going to be, um, oh, I can't find it. Um, tomorrow is is Richard Hooker's feast day, at least oh. according to 2019 prayer book, which is the one that we use, um, or I use, I mean. And so we're going to get together and kind of commemorate him and, and celebrate, you know, his life and his ministry. And um, so it's kind of a, a timely question as well. Um, Sweet. So, yeah, I took, took a bunch of time to basically answer a question that <laughs> only applies to me. But... I felt like it was um, yeah. a good one, so I wanted to make sure good. we answered it. Well, let's let's do this. Let's ask this last question, and then we're going to have a rapid-fire round where you don't give a long answer. You, we, we're just going to shoot down that list real quick of, of some of the ones we want to ask. Um, so the final big question, if you want, to answer it. Um, so I'll just give a quick preface. Um, I, on my desk at work, I have a Martin Luther bobblehead. Um, and then during Reformation Month, I had Martin Luther hammering the 95 Theses as my desktop background. And so one day I sent a Snapchat to Lucas. Just We send each other a daily snap and then sometimes more. But I sent a Snapchat of the bobblehead and my computer screen. And it sort of brought this question to mind. So basically Lucas said, um, I don't know if you want to ask it because you worded it or however you want to word it. But Lucas had this question. Yeah, and I think we we may come back to this for a full episode in like a, a standalone episode or, or just should, yeah. you know some you know as it as it as it is relevant because it I think it it is just such an interesting thing and this wasn't this isn't meant as like a gotcha to you because um, the same thing is true of me um, and it's true of all of us I I I think um, but but basically like you know you're a Baptist. Martin Luther's clearly not 
So I think I think I kind of snarkily said that's a lot of Luther for someone who doesn't believe in baptismal regeneration, <laughs> um, which is a true statement in the yeah. sense that Luther and Lutherans believe in that, and Baptists don't generally, as far as I know. Um, and like the question that kind of comes out of that is, to what extent, you know. To what extent can we claim theologians as part of our heritage when we disagree with them? And clearly, there's nobody's going to find a theologian in history that they 100% agree with everything they ever said or did or wrote. So that's not what I mean. But what I mean is like the sense of, okay, as Protestants, you know, of all stripes, high church, low church, sacramental, non-sacramental, non-denominational, Pentecostal, um, if they would consider themselves Protestants, you know, um, Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, like we all, I think, generally speaking, feel a sense of sort of, um, what's the word? Like, like we, we feel like we are heirs to Luther, we feel in some sense because we are heirs of the Reformation that we have this connection to the 95 Theses and, and the, the, the movement that Martin Luther started. And, you know, in, in the Beeson Divinity School Hodges Chapel, there's a, around the sides, there are paintings of Christ's life. And then at, you know, they ran out of spaces and there was one extra space. They finished Christ's life. And then uh, there's Luther nailing the 95 Theses. There are, there are Lutherans, Presbyterians, Anglicans, Baptists, everything in between and everything beyond at, at Beeson. Um, and I think that like everyone sitting in that chapel sees that painting and they have this, this sense of solidarity, this sense of that is my heritage. But what's interesting is like when we reading the 95 theses and we see just how Catholic Luther was at that phase in his development, reading some of Luther's statements on baptism would, would, would have scandalized me in my like high school days. Yeah. Um, I would have thought it was, it was heresy, which I would have been wrong. But the point is like, (laughs) that would have shocked me to my core because Martin Luther is the guy who started the Protestant reformation, which I'm a part of or a result of, or a descendant of. And so, and, and Luther, you know, I, I'm a lot closer to Luther. Like my tradition of Anglicanism is a lot closer to Luther on questions like baptism, the Lord's Supper, than your tradition of of, of Reformed and and just more generally Baptist. But we can say the same thing about like I'm reading an Augustine sermon right now, um, and he says some stuff that just doesn't fit our categories, you know. Right. And yeah, I'm sure. I'm, you know, we can look at like, uh, you know us as Protestants, Western Christians can look at Eastern fathers and to what extent can we really say, you know, and I don't want to say that you can only like people who are in your denomination because that's so not true and not what I mean. But I guess the question is, where is that line where it becomes silly for someone to say, oh, I'm claiming this person as part of my theological heritage? Um, And is there a line? Or, or is it is it more to do with, you know, as long as they're Christians who are not heretics, then 
then that's good enough for me to 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 be able to claim them as as you know members of the of the same church and may, maybe that's the answer i don't know i yeah well, so those are kind of just my thoughts swirling <laughs> around this question. Yeah, and this definitely, again, I think we should come back to this in a full episode because it'd be fun to flesh out. So I don't want to give my long answer. My short answer is I think, to, I think kind of you just mentioned it, we should claim as much as we can to the point of heresy. I mean, that's kind of what retrieval for renewal is. I mean, retrieving for renewal, like, you know, I read that Augustine book on creation. You're mentioning some of the weird things about Augustine that don't fit well. That's like the whole premise of that book is that the way that Augustine thought about creation, the way that he thought about the way that the world works is different from the way that we do. And we're uncomfortable with it. Sure. One of us is maybe right. Maybe one of us is wrong. Maybe we're both wrong. Um, I think the reality is, is that in glory, we're all going to be brothers and sisters, part of Christ's one body. Um, and so why not celebrate, and I, I, this is going to bite me in the butt, because if we want to say that someone like Stephen Furtick is a Christian, which I think you probably should, but I severely disagree with a lot of the ways that he does church, the way that he preaches. Um, so like, am I going to have a Stephen Furtick bobblehead? Am I going to listen to Stephen Furtick sermons? No. Um, but can I at least respect some of the things that he's done that are good? Yes. And I think the same is true of any Christian ever. Like you said, you're never going to completely agree with anybody. And if you do, that's a problem. Um, if you find yourself agreeing with every, some, like, I don't see eye to eye with my wife. I don't see eye to eye with you. I don't see eye to eye with my brother. <laughs> if you see eye to eye perfectly with anybody, it's, it's probably because of some, maybe you're making that person an idol. Who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, no matter who you're reading, um, no matter what you're reading theologically, you're going to have disagreements and learning to be okay with disagreements is part of unity amongst diversity. I mean, that's a big theme on our podcast so much so that it's in our intro. And so like one of the things, at least for me, that I've been learning to do is to be more comfortable with disagreement and learning to give the benefit of the doubt to, um, I think Luke Stamps, I know you're listening, um, <laughs> Uh, Luke Stamps tweeted recently saying, um, what if you're wrong? I have no idea what he was referencing, but seriously, <laughs> if everybody asked themselves like 20 times a day, what if I am wrong? Think about how differently we would live. What if I'm wrong politically? What if I'm wrong theologically? What if I'm wrong in this argument with my spouse? What if I'm wrong about hot dog being a taco? Like, whatever it is, like if if you ask yourself, what if I am wrong? It changes your approach to things it changes your your demeanor your mood maybe people wouldn't come across as rude as domineering as argumentative um, if we came to conversations with a spirit of, of humility of grace of love of recognizing we're all on this journey we're all imperfect we're not going to know everything like that's just again i said it was going to be my short answer but that's that's for me like even though i might disagree you know on quite a few things with Luther, you know, especially some of the anti-Semitism, some of the um, other problems that he had. Like, I despise those things, um, but I, I also recognize his great contributions as a saint, as one of Christ's beloved children, as an instrumental reformer. Um, and so I'll celebrate the good things and I'll condemn the bad things just like we ought to with anything like lucas if you had some grievous sin that i saw in your life like i'd hope we'd be close enough for me to one be able to talk to you about it and like confront you but also to be like hey man like we've had disagreements we had a whole episode about apostasy 
I don't agree <laughs> with you about apostasy, but dude, I still love you. You're still my friend. You're still my brother. We can have a relationship and be completely fine. And I think the same could be said of theologians too. Because when you really think about it, sometimes we pedestal these people. We do it now. John Piper, Francis Chan. That's a weird one to throw out there. I don't know. Where to... <laughs> I haven't thrown out Francis Chan in a while, but you know, whatever. Like the, the people that get like pedestaled in, in contemporary theology, whoever they might be, they're saints they're sinners they're people who are on the same pedestal like the same platforms that we are sure in human terms they're slightly more elevated but we're all part of christ's body no one is greater than the other um even the smallest um you know i think paul says like the 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 parts of our body that we bestow greater honor the parts that we you know cover up and keep from from showing are some of the most important things or whatever. I don't remember how he words that exactly, but like there are certain, there are people who are unknown in the world who are very well known in the kingdom, who have done wonderful things for, for the bride, um, for the church, for the world. So that's my answer. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I, we, we should get back into that. It's, it's a very interesting one, you know, good job. Whoever asked it, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lucas, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that um, it's 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 definitely worth uh, an episode for sure. Fleshing out a, a little more, yeah. So let's so, rapid fire these last couple. Rapid fire, let's do it. So like like no thinking, just like kind of like Joey, where he's asking, you know, I forget what he asks, whatever. But like, just don't even think. Whatever the first thing that comes to mind. So are you ready? Do- yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, I'll just, are we both, I should say, are we both going to answer all of them, or am I asking one and then you answer and then switch? Um, that's a good question. I feel like we should both answer, but that okay, gives one of good. us time time to okay. think, but whatever. So what is your favorite church tradition holy day? That's how it was worded. I don't necessarily know what that means, but what is your favorite church tradition holy day? I would say, um, I think Ash Wednesday. I just like the season of Advent. Does that count? I'm gonna call. I'm gonna. Sure. I'm, gonna I'm gonna count it. Yeah. Um, I'll reword this one to be more inclusive. What do you What do you think of your job? Okay. Um, I really like my job. Um, they take good care of their employees. It's a great place to work. I really like the people at my job. I cannot stand this fast food job and can't <laughs> wait till I can quit. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, what is the funniest <laughs> thing that happened to you this week? Oh, geez. <laughs> Here, do I'm going to give my answer because it's a little bit long. Sure. I'll just explain. So so I told you that I'm moving. We, we So last week, I, what I was doing was um, during my lunches, I was going home and loading up my car so that it'd be easy to, to transport stuff to the new house. So one of the days, I loaded up 10 boxes of books because we have so many books. Um, I was in so much pain because I only had a half an hour lunch this day. Like my back hurt, my arms hurt. I had to like cruise to get these loaded and in our car. And so when I got back to the office, like a thing that we sometimes do is send memes to each other. Um, so like we have some pretty dank memes going back and forth. And so I didn't reply to the chain. I created a new email. And so I sent one email to Logan. I mean, he's in the subject or in the two. So to Logan, to my brother, JD, who works at the same place that I do. And then I typed Danny, trying to send an email to, to Danny. Um, 
But so I send this email and lo and behold, like 15 minutes later, Logan comes to my office. He's like, hey, Jens, you know that you sent that email to Danielle Hanna, who happens to be one of our customers. I didn't actually <laughs> send it to my other coworker, Danny, um, who, who her name is also Danielle, but she goes by Danny. Um, so I, the meme, basically, it was a picture of this old guy um, who was just like hunched over holding his back and the caption read a live shot of Jens after lifting all these heavy books or whatever. Like it was something stupid like that. Um, and so I sent this embarrassing meme to a customer. That's the funniest thing that happened to me. I can't think of anything like funny that happened to me. Like, I mean, you know, funny memes sent in the group chat, that kind of thing. But like, like I feel like I haven't been in any funny situation. I haven't really been out much this week. So mm. I haven't had very many opportunities. That's I might fair. think of something later and, and regret not mentioning it, but I can't really <laughs> think of anything right now. <laughs> All right. Um, if you could travel anywhere during the winter, where would it be? California, 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 <laughs> California. Um, I would probably travel to some kind of like mountain cabin, mm. um, or like not necessarily mountain cabin, but just like a cabin in the woods or something. I'm just gonna shorten this one because it's easier. Sparkling water or flat water? Um. I would say sparkling. I drink way more flat water in like a normal day, but I would say sparkling water. I hate sparkling water, so flat. <laughs> um, pecan pie or pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving? Pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin. I love. They're both great pies, but I would say I would say pumpkin. Um. When should Christmas songs and decorations actually begin? I would say like early to mid-November. So not like today, but like pretty soon. So I have two answers. Commercially, they can start Thanksgiving. Um, Christianly, all year long, because the incarnation is beautiful, and we should sing songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, all year long. And don't fight me yeah, on but that one. But we also have a season for it. And yeah, we have I, other I, well, seasons throughout the year to do other things. Yeah, but we sing songs about grace, about the cross all year long, but that only happened on Easter. I think I think you're wrong, but that's fine. Okay, that's fine. All right. <laughs> uh, we can still lovingly disagree, okay? <laughs> um, let's do this last one and then, and then wrap up. So right. the most beautiful landscape you have ever seen. Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah, I've never been. Um, the mountain, driving through the mountains of Yunnan province in China. Ooh, dude, talk about I've never been. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. All so. right. Well, <laughs> even though this was a very different episode from maybe ones we typically do, we're still going to close with a customary word of prayer. Um, we're going to be reading Psalm 2, and it's fitting because, you know, Tomorrow's the presidential election, so let's let's just keep that in perspective, okay? Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, 
Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath has quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Amen, man. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you. Oh, wait. We have time. Let's do it quick. What are you reading? <laughs> oh, man. I So I'm bad. Uh, I've been so busy this week. I haven't read much. I'm still reading uh, Jesus the Great or the Good philosopher whatever whatever book i was talking about last week i'm still reading again mm-hmm. i've i've barely touched a book because i've just been too busy yeah um i am still working my way through pelican's book on mary which i mentioned last week and um i am reading a bunch of augustine for the next few weeks uh, solid you'll have to let me know how so, that goes because i've been really into augustine yeah a variety a variety of things but i'll just say i'm reading a bunch of him um so Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes. You can sign up for our newsletter um, to get weekly updates about episodes and goings on. Um, and stay tuned. You know, you might want to sign up for the newsletter. We might have some, some things in the works that are exciting and you might want to be, you know, up to speed on. Yeah.